Whoa, 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 what's happening, everybody? I'm a day late, not a dollar short, but it's because I wanted to see the final second game of the second round happen. Um, because I realized all the games would happen except Denver or Portland's game two, so I was like, I'll wait one day. And since uh, I don't have any, I haven't had any interactions on Twitter, I wasn't too worried about posting that there. So, uh, yeah, that's why we're happening today. But today's going to be kind of double duty. We're going to talk a little sports. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the topic. Um, And before you run away, the topic, it does deal with politics, but it's more of an outside looking in type view. Um, It's just kind of a, a general observation about politics. It's not specifically talking about like any specific political ideas, um, I guess, but Without further ado, let's jump into it because I know people don't like uh, rambly intros. All right. So we're sitting two games deep into the second round. Right now, uh, everybody's tied up 1-1 except surprise, surprise, Warrior Series. Um, They are up 2-0. So I guess we could start there. It's been very, very interesting if you've been tracking that. Um, We had the game one where James Harden, um, his what I would call is a um, kind of gaming the system to get some, to get someone to get his feet, to hit the defender um, got some no calls. And I, I think there was one of those, one of those like four, I think it was that was justifiably a, a missed call um, as opposed to, a, to a no call. So we had that happen and we had obviously the Rockets complaining and then they, and then the team comes out with, Oh, we audited last year's Western conference finals and saw 81 missed calls to see that the system is rigged against us. And let me just back up and talk about the scrutiny of the refing in general. We're seeing something kind of newish. I mean, it's been building up, building up, but now we're at a point where the refs are so heavily scrutinized because we have 18 different angles all in slow motion. Everyone has replay. People have their phones to micro analyze every millisecond, every fingertip, every toenail, every little thing we can see. And only certain things are reviewable, and I think they they're they're good with what they do go and review. But all in all, the refing aspect of the game is still more or less the same. These guys who are really experienced are watching a game that moves very very fast, um, and it, it's hard. You don't you don't get that that speed on TV because you're it's a camera that's far away and it just pans maybe eight inches to see the whole width of the court and um, back and forth to follow them. Uh, but those of you who have been to a game and at least been semi-close, you understand the speed of the game, especially with in, in response to something happening and then, you know, them driving down a lane and doing a crazy layup and the refs have to call a foul um, just as fast. And, and and so we've seen a spark up in general of of complaining about I mean I've even been guilty of where we're where you know it's not so much that they're just missing a bunch of bunch of calls it's more about an incons- a perceived inconsistency 
Now, that's always going to be there with fan bases, right? You're going to say, well, why did you miss that? Why did you miss that? Why did you miss that? And I don't, I don't really get upset too much at missed calls. I've, I've kind of I've decided, like, you're just going to drive yourself crazy if you sit there and say, well, if they would have made these calls, it could have changed the outcome of the game. When, you know, there's always the standpoint of, well, you could go back and you could have seen, oh, we missed these free throws or um, this was a, we had these three um, dumpster fire possessions where we were three seconds into the shot clock and turned it over off a dumb parent, a dumb pass or something like that. Um, and, you know, it's like if you really want to get nitpicky, we could break down every little every little point of our game and. Um, every little point of the game and be like and find you know a hundred different spots where it's like oh if you would have played defense better here or done this better that's not the refs now I think the argument that people come back with is that well when it comes to crunch time you know it's like they need to make these right calls and it's like well that's why calls are reviewable in the last two minutes but um, I still understand it just everyone all of a sudden when it comes to crunch time everything is that much more important yes but we can't forget the importance of everything leading up to crunch time and how sometimes the refs do have a big impact. But my overall stance is the refs and refing are part of the game. It's another human part of the game. And off the top of my head, I mean, I don't think there's a system where you can replace or supplement the refs and and, and have it viewed by some without without completely stopping the pace of the game and just looking at every play right after it happens you know there's it, it just you can't do it you can't do it so the current system that we have i think i think works out and uh i just think we have to back away and realize that is a part of the game that you kind of have to learn to live with and play with and figure out a way around like if they're going to call something a certain way if they're calling a certain foul or not calling a certain foul, like take note and, and adjust your game accordingly. And let's not get all up in arms and then start. We, we've seen this year, I think more than ever, players and coaches calling out the refing after games. This has become a trend. And, and once that happens, then, of course, everyone's microanalyzing the rest. And refs already have a ton of pressure already. And I can't even imagine what they're dealing with you know, how that's been amplified now that their names are being thrown out in post-game pressers by superstars and head coaches. It's like, golly, these guys have it rough. By the way, most refs are really nice guys. Um, I've met a few. And they're all very genuine, nice people. But nonetheless, it's it's become, I think it's become a problem and it's become a cop-out. We, we we see now where it's people blaming bet poor officiating for why they're losing. Now, in some cases, I think in some cases there are some like blatant shortcomings that could that actually have a certain impact on the game. But all in all, is it is it any worse than it was ten years ago, fifteen years ago? No, I don't think. Well, 10 years ago, and that's the Donahue scandal. But anyways, is it any worse than that? Like, is it actually realistically any worse than that? Not the Donahue scandal, but any worse than it than it has been in the past at all? Or is it the fact, or are we just putting that much more weight on it? Are we making it a bigger deal versus is it actually 
bigger deal. And if anyone's, if anyone you know knows of an article or somewhere where that's they, they've broken this down, please, I'd love to, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. But, um, I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a hyperbolic and a hyper focused point. And, and, and we're not just saying, Hey, look, you just got to figure out how to play with them. All right. Play with them. And, and, and it's even seeped into the leadership now with the coaches doing that. And, and that being said, I think it should be more than a $20,000 fine, uh, for talking trash on lefts, because let's be honest. Yeah, that's a hit, but it's not big enough. I think, I think especially in scenarios where like Steph and, and company called out a ref by name, calling him the MVP of the game, that should be a suspension. Because if you're the NBA and you don't want this to keep happening, you can't throw minimal fines at people. You need to make a statement saying you can't talk about the officiating. You're suspended a game. Get it out. Don't do it. And that will shut people down real quick. People don't want to take a suspension, especially not deep in the playoffs. And I will say this, I, I and maybe it's because of microanalyzing. Last point on this, and then I'll actually move on to what I was going to talk about. There have been times where I think consistency with calls has been an issue, and I think maybe that's the bigger issue that people are going for. But, but the refs calling things on one end, but not calling things on the other. But I'm still going to come back to and say, in light of that, figure out a way to make it work. There's many more variables to a game, so find a way. The refs aren't blatantly screwing you, so let's figure out something that works. Anyways, there's my total tangent rant for the day. But the Warriors, I mean, that's kind of what's been the main story around the Warriors-Rockets. James Harden, I don't know if you saw, you should look it up, but what he was doing is he would jump from his spot. And you know his jump shot. He doesn't jump and, like, kick his legs crazy in a normal jump shot. He he, he has a minimal jump. And it's straight up. What, he, well, what the screenshot is shows him going up. It shows Draymond just on the other side of the three-point line kind of going up. And neither of them, and then all of a sudden in the air, it shows him kicking his, you can see him actively kicking his legs forward so that Draymond connects. And it's like Draymond really was just, and I'm defending Draymond here. Draymond really jumped just straight up in this image that I saw. Harden, though, is kicked his feet to close that gap and to, to you know, get him on the, he was underneath me. And the rest, rightly so, didn't call it. And I'm so glad for it because I think James is, one of the best at finding a way to manufacture fouls within the rules. And while it's one of those things where it's like, it's not illegal, but it's crappy. Like it's, it's, it's a dumpy way to play in my opinion. I mean, it's smart in some sense, but I don't like it. So anyways, the Warriors have gone up strong 2-0 on the Rockets right now. The Rockets kind of seem in shambles after that first game where the snap food and stuff. Second game was a little bit quieter. They didn't have any, Stuff going on. I don't think guys wanted to get um, guys wanted to get in trouble from the league, and so the Warriors went up. We'll see. Uh, May fourth is Game Three in Houston, so we'll see how that pans out. Uh, let me know your thoughts on that one. As much as I want to sit here and be like, "Yeah, the Rockets will take it back at home," the Warriors could snag and go up three zero, and that could be a wrap with how the Rockets are playing. But I think the Rockets will come back home and it'll be high energy and I, I think the guys will start hitting their shots but it wasn't even they weren't hitting their shots like they were throwing the ball out of bounds missing passes like totally out of whack um so that that's interesting to see it unfolding and whereas it where this 
this could almost be a sweep. I don't think it will be. I realistically hope the Rockets put up some enough of a fight to at least at least get them worn down, right? I would love here's a weird sentence I'm here to say. I would love to see the Rockets win. <laughs> um, just to bounce the Warriors out of there because you know we're all sick of them, unless you're a Steph Curry or Kevin Durant fan. Not a Warriors fan, Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Because those bandwagoners, that's why that's why you're there. You're there for the magic threes, you're not there for the team. All my Clay Thompson fans, real fans. That's what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Other side of the Western Conference. A very tight series that I see going seven. Nuggets and Trailblazers. These guys, this is a this is a, a battle right now. Game one went to the Nuggets. Game two, Portland fought real hard. So we're going to see both teams are kind of firing on all cylinders. Um, got a little coaching chess match. I think it's really, really interesting seeing what they're doing. I mean, it's just such an interesting way Denver plays through your center like that. Um, Jokic, it's so such an interesting style. And, and Dame and CJ and uh, and company have been – they're still playing really well after that. They, they got over the hump of that first round uh, against OKC um, where they played really well, showed out. Damian just went outside of his mind. and. Um, now they're 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 keep, they're riding that momentum, so that'll be really interesting. Uh, who you got on that one? Because the winner of that one of those two teams is gonna be Western Conference Finals. Who would you rather see? I can't decide right now. I I would probably rather see the Trailblazers. They match up better against, and this is the inevitability. They match up better get better against the Warriors. Um, and. They match up better against the Warriors, um, particularly with their wing play, and but they have enough big men and, and, and long wing defenders, whereas the Nuggets, you see they have Jokic, and then they've got kind of a hodgepodge of like scrappy guys, like up and come, like Jamal or Jamel Murray, whatever his name is. Dude is good. Dude can light it up. He's inconsistent, though, but it, you have to think when it comes to matching up with the Warriors, it's like you need some strong wings. Uh some I, I think some some notable wings and they really don't have that. So um, I'd hope for the Trailblazers best. Uh, even though they beat my team in the first round, I hope that they would go and show up. Raptors Sixers also tied at one one. Toronto took first game at home and then Philly came back swinging take game two. So goes back to Philly. Who you got? I think uh, I think this is going to be a classic back and forth seven game series. Um, I think Toronto maybe punches Philly in the mouth um, tonight. They play tonight and um, catches one at catches there. They split the series obviously in Philly, but I think uh, Toronto wins game three and then Philly wins game four and then it's back and forth after that. Let's see how it winds up. I think ultimately, gosh, ultimately I want to say. And this is a tough prediction. With how the 76ers responded, that game, if they can muster that, I, I think they can shock everybody and, and beat the Raptors to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I'm going to pick Philly in that series. Um, it has to be in seven. So it means they've got to catch one at Toronto. Bucks Celtics. Wow. Oh, wow. Talk about it. Getting shook. The Bucks, who I think is a lot of people's favorites to, you know, be in the NBA finals and be contending for the championship. Oh, they got they got punched in the face in game one and uh, absolutely sucked. Uh, 
to take a lead. But then Milwaukee just haymaker right back, said, no, this is our house. Fear the deer. And uh, socked him. This is this is probably my favorite series out of the second round series. It's either, I mean, the two Eastern Conference series, honestly, I think are a little bit more interesting than the Western Conference one. I mean, Nuggets Portland is interesting, but it's I don't know. It's for me, it's kind of two teams I'm apathetic about. Whereas these two are the the the, the other two series in the East are, are very interesting storylines. We have the young and upcoming teams that two and three years ago people said, "Man, these teams are gonna be something," and here they are. We're seeing that unfold. So, game three at Boston, May third. Uh, it's tomorrow. Oh boy, this one's gonna be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna see if I can watch every game of this one. It's gonna be exciting. Really, really exciting. So, uh, I think. Gosh, Celtics have the experience, and honestly, freaking Brad Stevens killing it with his coaching. But it's a total crapshoot. I mean, I could see it going either way. Um, I think I'd love to see the Bucks, though, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I wish this was the Eastern Conference Finals. Let me say that. I wish these two teams had come, were one and two, and come from separate sides and met in the Eastern Conference Finals because this would be epic. But here we are now. So um, go with Bucks in seven and see them in the Eastern Conference Finals against the 76ers, I think, for a really, really fun series. I will, I will say this. I think this is probably the most exciting playoffs competitively that we've had in a while. Uh, it's first LeBronless playoffs we've had in a while, um, which was hilarious. But, anyways, that's my take on the NBA playoffs. Love to hear what you guys have. Twitter at Rambling Viking or email um, the Rambling Viking at gmail.com. Let me know your predictions, your thoughts on my predictions, anything at all, um, your thoughts on the whole refing fiasco. Um, whatever it may be, but that's where we're going to close out that segment and we're going to move on to drum roll, please. You may want to stop the podcast here, depending on who you are, but just hang tight. Give me a second. Boom. My outlook on the political climate right now. And just a quick breakdown. I'm not going to get too into it. I'm not going to talk about my politics necessarily. Just something that I've seen kind of, it's an interesting paradox within the political realm right now. And we're seeing a lot of it where we've seen it just purely be hearsay and, and people saying, well, this is going to lead to this. We're seeing it unfold now. And I think it's, I think it's kind of interesting. It's worth saying, right? Uh, as you guys may or may not know, I actually kind of follow, I've started following politics. It's interesting more so for the, in college, I took a class called Contemporary Moral Problems, my favorite class. I love talking about like deep, tough issues. And so like in that class, we talked about like abortion. We talked about like, does God exist? All these different things. And it was like my favorite class because anywhere else, like you talk about those subjects and people get real uncomfortable. They're really not sure. But these ones like broke them down and we dove in. And it was great to hear it from all the different, like all the different standpoints too, because really we just talked about it, never came to any conclusions. And the professor would just point out, here's well, here's this issue, but then here's the problem with this um, thought. And then here's this thought, but then here's a problem with this theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, wow, so interesting. But that being said, that's kind of why I like it. But also I, I'm seeing a necessity where it's like we actually like, now I'm 25. It's like, you know, my generation is coming up and we're going to start getting into politics. I mean, you see it with AOC and stuff. And it's like, I realized how many like misinformed and like, I, I think – I think people are, are, are have the wrong ideas or, or or just the wrong perspective on a lot of things where it's like I I kind of have I can have an active part and say in like moving forward and like 
the direction that we go. And so it's just more so making sure that everything is all ideas are represented here and that we, we give him a fair chance and we're open to discussion because that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing is a sh- is trying to see a shutdown of uh, one side of the argument, which is would, would long-term lead to our demise ultimately. Um, but regardless, so what I'm noticing um, for those of you who don't follow politics and I'm, I'm not trying to belittle your intelligence, but I, I really was come totally out of politics for the longest time and very anti-politics. Um, but that was just me as a kid and I can understand it. Now I'm, kind of into it I, I think of it as more of a less like everything is becoming political but and, and so i hate using that term but it's more of a it's more of just a cultural idea observation but we use the word we'll use the word politics or political for the sake of no better term and i think everybody understands what you're getting at so we have uh, we have the right which is generally your conservative movement which is your generally your your, your smaller government your 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 freedoms and liberties um, you know, your free speech, your second amendment type people. Okay. Dog wants to bring the antler on the wood floors and push it around. Perfect. Sorry if you can hear that, but then you have the left side of things. And, and I'm not saying the left necessarily. I'm just saying the left side of things. Um, so your, your Democrats, um, your progressives, uh, I'm not going to use the term liberals because I think that's misused and actually what a liberal is falls more in the middle as a centrist. But that's where you have the the sudden you I don't know like call what do I call it? The the side where they I can't even define it. Wow, I'm I'm terrible. You have the progressive ideas where it's um and they say progressive, but they're very concerned about uh, discrimination, your, your your civil rights. Not saying the other side isn't concerned. They are just as concerned. I don't know, but this is always their, their message and their platform, right? Um, hmm, I've never had to do this before out loud, but I, I know what they are, but can I actually define them? This is interesting. I'm falling short right here. Um, we have the Democratic side of things, which um, generally, I mean – their 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 concern they're they're generally for a little bit larger government they like to try and uh, right now what it's turned into is kind of a, a, what we call them the socialist democratic party where it's they want they want they want to tax the wealthy at an absurd rate uh, they want a marginal tax rate of like 50 to 70 percent meaning if you make any kind of money you're not really going to make any kind of money <laughs> at least up to a certain point so basically you're capped at like how rich you can be which means which is only going to lead to people um, offshoring, offshore accounting their um, their wealth. They they make X amount. They're just gonna they'll they'll just funnel it out and and have it in the offshore stuff. Not have it here. I mean that's all. I mean that's what any smart person would do to try and save a little bit. But um, they 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 usually call for bigger government. And the reason I hit on the right thing is because what we're seeing is we're seeing where there a lot of people on that side of things. Are calling for a shutdown of speech. They're saying purely speech is violence. Not not they're like oh this kind of speech incites violence, which started the conversation. But speech is violence. So in general, your your conservatives are are pro life, and um, and where the Democrat side of things is usually more uh, pro choice. And this is in general, folks. Don't come at me with well I know a conservative who who's pro choice. Look, I get there's every kind of mindset within every group but i'm giving the general the overarching themes here all right and so we have 
um, those two things. But we, we've seen it really polarized. Um, I think Trump was a catalyst to that, uh, but I think it was both in some good ways and not some good ways. Um, but I, but I, but what I've noticed is so in general, um, with the left side of things and I fall under the right and the conservative side, but, um, you know, you, you guys know, if you listen to me enough, I, I try and kind of separate myself and be more objective. And, and here's what I'm noticing is that you have people trying to discuss ideas that progressive would say are uh, bigoted ideas when in actuality, they're just dissenting opinion. They're just the, not the same idea that they have around certain issues like transgender and saying men are not women, meaning that they're denying that, that, you know, gender is necessarily spectrum, but it's purely just biological sex, which is kind of what I believe, but I'm not going to get into that today. That's a different episode. Um, that's probably going to cause some problems, but here we go. Uh, and then, you know, that, that abortion is, is, is murder, which what it is, is what it is. And, um, and certain things like, you know, they're saying there were, that that idea is anti-women when actuality, no, it's not. It's, 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 it's just, it's anti-murder. And, and so they, you know, try and frame it a certain way. But what I'm really trying to get at is you have people, you have just conservatives and a lot of times you have them just going to speak on like a college campus. Everyone knows Ben Shapiro, like it cost half a million dollars to get him on Berkeley. You see Berkeley a few years ago, and then we've had speeches shut down because protests were so brutal. And, and, and so what I'm seeing is generally from the left, you have where the tolerant, open-minded, progressive side, meaning that they're, they're, they're open to all colors and creed and, 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 and non-binary genders and all this thing. They're, they're open to everything. They try and preach this message of like open and acceptance and like we love diversity, which really love. They just love not white people and they love diversity and things like that. But then unless there's a caveat here, unless there's a, there's a giant caveat, unless it disagrees with a fundamental belief. And the problem is they don't see it as like, oh, it's just a disagreement of fundamental belief because anyone would be like, hey, I just want to discuss a different idea. Like, what about this idea? You can't deny these certain ideas aren't valid, which they are still. And and what they and then they get triggered, if you will, and they say, no, we have to shut. We have to shut that down. We have to shut it down. Um, we can't have that. And like, because, and then, and then what they try and do is they try and say, well, this is violence. This is, this is harming people. This is shaking. They're caught. They're having to go to therapy because they can't handle you talking about an idea. And it's a total paradox. It's the biggest oxymoron I've ever had saying, well, yeah, like we're totally open. We're, we're open to all ideas and, and walks of life and all this stuff. As long as it falls within this box moment it doesn't fall in this box it is a nuke bomb of an idea it is it, 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 it is a metaphorical nuke on people who don't buy into that and you're you're harming these people and we're seeing it a lot when we're seeing so ilhan omar which i don't fully go the full length say but i do think she she causes problems she's the she's the the somali um muslim congresswoman who i i don't think she's said smart things 
she's very anti-Israel, anti-Jew, and they call her anti-Semite, which I, I think she honestly is in a lot of ways. But then she's had some questionable moments about some, some things she said in regard to um, Muslim. Uh, radical Muslim terrorists and it's just like whoa <laughs> which you know we all know our history with that but it's what we're seeing in general is you're seeing people a side of things that's saying they're open and, and they're tolerant but now that you're seeing with, with disagreement they're 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 screaming murder saying that this is violence and we can't have it having to shut it down. My favorite is they're saying, you're a fascist, you're a fascist. And all the person is saying is, I believe in free speech, meaning people can say what they, what they believe and you, you, they, can't be, they can't be shut down. And they say, that, you're so fascist, we need to shut you down. That is literally the definition of fascism, is you're shutting down a dissenting opinion for the sake of being a dissenting opinion. Like you are literally moderating what people can and can't say. You are the fascist. And so I've seen that just that's really come to fruition lately. And it's just such a huge trend. It's like, and it blows my mind how they don't see it. And it's because they get it's they're so deep in this one eye, this ideology that they don't they don't look at it from that perspective of this is just a a, a an ideal. Like, I, I just don't hold the same ideals that you do. I believe this. And there's plenty of, and, it, and it's a reasonable thing, right? It's not like saying, I believe whites are the superior race. Hey, like, we need to shut that down. No, I agree. I have a weird stance on that where it's like, you can let cra the crazy guy yell in the corner because we all know that he's crazy. <laughs> but that's not, I'm, I'm talking about reasonable things like a pro-life talk or or just wanting to talk about, hey, maybe is gender maybe not a spe spectrum? Is it more purely biological? Men are not women. Like that's, you should hear, it's rational people making rational thought arguments that are just wanting to have a discussion, but they are being, they're being painted as these supposed Nazis and white supremacists. And it's like, they're not even calling for anything close to that. But that's just my, my outlook on things. I'm curious to know your outlook on things. Uh, anyways, this is where I'm going to end today. Hope you guys have a great day.